Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. Nice and rainy out there, right? And to think I was going to wear open-toe shoes this morning. I don't know how you ladies do it. I just, I'm just baffled by that. How, how, do, how do you do it? Wear open-toe shoes when it's cold and raining? God bless you. Uh, I was thinking about something this morning when I was preparing for my message, and as I was reading, I came to Numbers, the 11th chapter. You don't have to turn there, but um, in verses 24 said, uh, 11, Numbers 11, 24 on down, it says, So Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet the spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Every time I'm around Pastor Walt, I know that God's spirit is upon him. We are blessed to have such a great uh, leadership, staff, our pastors, Pastor Walt, Pastor Mark, Pastor Chris, Pastor Jason, Pastor Raphael, Pastor, even Pastor Drew, uh, <laughs> Pastor Isaiah, uh, and also a great children's uh, director, Miss Mickey and Miss Pam. Uh, we are blessed. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. I, I love, I love, I love this church um, because you are my brothers and sisters. And uh, trust me, I love coming on Wednesday nights and I love coming on Sunday mornings because when I see you, I just feel better. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I have nothing to give you. Um, <laughs> if you thought I did, too bad. Um, but I enjoy being in the presence of God's people. And I pray that you feel the same way, too, because as you look around to your left and to your right and behind you and around you, these are the people that you will be spending eternity with. We will be spending eternity together. I pray, well, if you ain't right at the end of the message, we can get it right. As my mother used to tell me, I used to say, man, I really miss my grandmother. And my mother used to say, well, if you, want, if you live right, you see her again. <laughs> right? So that's always a caveat, right? Got to live right. You know, in other words, you got to be saved. <laughs> right? But that's the whole purpose of us coming this morning is because we want to fellowship together. We want to enjoy the spirit of God together. And I'm just grateful. I'm glad that you made it. Amen. Some of us had to press our way in. We don't know, you know, I don't know what you had to go through. I don't know what happened at midnight last night. I don't know uh, what trial or tribulation, but thank God you made it in the house of God. Amen. 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 Put your hands together for God one more time. 
Amen. It's a, it's, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing because we have brothers and sisters around the world that wish, they desire, they're praying, they're travailing right now, wanting to be in fellowship, wanting to be able to go to the house of God, but they can't. Some are in hospital beds. Some are prevented because of, of they live in hostile environments. I'll tell you a story. Once I was stationed in Saudi Arabia, and uh, there were um, nationals who would take care of the, the, the base. And, and, uh, uh, and, and among those nationals, there were people who were Christians. And as we would gather together sometimes, you know, after lunch or dinner, mostly after dinner, and we would just kind of, it would be about 10 or 11 of us sometimes, and, and we would be talking and, and we would be sharing and we're just having a good time and, you know, talking about the, 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 the Lord. And, and it would be a couple of workers that would always come by and, and sweep and wipe and sweep and wipe. And, I mean, after 15 or 20 minutes, they would keep coming by sweeping the same area. And, and, and so... And we went, you know, everything okay? You know, we get out. You went, no, 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 no. And they said, I'm a Christian too, but I cannot have the Bible. Because Saudi Arabia and Christianity is forbidden. It's illegal. And so the brother would share with us that they would tear a page out the scripture. And they would share it amongst each other. So when they went in the bathroom or when they went in a private place where they would have a little bit of scripture to read. And sometimes we take it for granted. Amen. Near and far, as we're talking today, near and far, my message is entitled near and far, far from one another, far from God. Let's read Matthew 5, 23 and 24. And it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar first. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come offer your gift. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to come into your presence. And thank you for fellowship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for liberties and freedoms. Thank you for, man, just your kindness towards us. We just ask today, Lord, that you will be glorified, that your children will be edified, and that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. I once heard a preacher say, you know, you cannot uh, worship God and ignore your neighbor. And as I've gotten older, I really understand that, that I cannot worship God. I cannot, whether I'm coming into the house of God or whether I am going into my prayer closet or whether I'm going about my daily activity because worship is not relegated to a place or a particular time or space. Worship is what we do, right? But I cannot worship God and ignore you. As we are being challenged by how we kingdom think and how we're looking at those who may be far from God in this series, I believe God has raised the bar. And well, in all actuality, uh, I believe the bar has, has always been raised. God's standard has always been high. His standard is called holiness. And it's just that I believe that uh, God is not necessarily raising the standard. It's just that we are becoming more sensitive to, to his will. He doesn't change. He's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So when God calls us to this standard called holiness, when he raises bar, when he says, listen, I want to I want you to be more prayerful. I want you to be more fervent. I want you to be um, uh, I want you I want you to press your way in. This isn't anything new. He's always had that standard. It's just that some of us have just kind of woke up to it and said, "Okay, yes, Lord, I hear you. I'm sensing it because as time is drawing near. God is saying, okay, I need you to be on point with me. Often in our attempt to pursue God in worship, we may overlook the foundational truth that God is intimately concerned about not only our vertical relationship with him, but our horizontal relationship with others, with our neighbors. We may pick and choose who we like to get along with and who we want to talk to and who we want to fellowship with. And we may have uh, reasons why we include or exclude people. Amen. We may have a number of reasons, uh, but God does hold us accountable to those actions. In Proverbs 24, 23, it says, uh, these also are sayings of the wise to show partiality and judgment is not good. King James says that it uses uh, the term uh, respect or have respect of persons. And this means to look down on someone. While this passage is referring to judicial judgment, it also applies to our everyday encounters. Can't look at one person like, oh, well. Can't do it. Can't do it. The story of the Good Samaritan is worth a close study. In Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verses 25, I believe, through 37... If you would magically appear. I love this is this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I absolutely love it. It says on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, this expert in the law was a lawyer. Do we have any lawyers in the house? That's okay. There you go. We love you. My grandmother used to say, I don't know if you could be a lawyer and be a Christian, but you can. Amen. You can. You can. All right. So young people, you want to be a lawyer? We need Christian lawyers. All right. We need Christian lawyers. So uh, the teacher asked him, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Smart Alec. <laughs> right. He, mean, he wanted to make himself righteous. He wanted to say, hey, look at me. I got it together. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, oh, I got you now. (laughs) That's why I love Jesus. See, everybody would try to throw a curveball at him and, hey, the law of Moses says such and such and such. What do you say? Hey, what should I, should I, should I pay Caesar? You know, what do you say about that? Always trying to mess him up, but Jesus will always come back and really by doing so, he would shut him up and shut him down. So in reply, Jesus said, again, he would never blast them openly, 
he would always give them a parable and kind of get them to thinking and go, oh. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Pause there for a moment. Again, for some of us to get a little bit of biblical history, Samaritans and Jews didn't like each other. They hated each other, right? And I think it was the, the onus was primarily on the Jews disliking the Samaritans. Matter of fact, the Jews disliked Samarita, Samarita and Samaritans so much that if they had to go from point A to point B, they would go around Samaria. They said, I don't have nothing to do with them for whatever reason. And so one of the thought-provoking things is, who are the Samaritans in your life? Who are the Samaritans in my life? So if anybody had a right to go on the other side, I could see if it was a Samaritan. But he saw him and he took pity on him, the Bible says. And it goes on to say, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Right? Does it go on to say? Yeah. Uh, the expert in the law, humbled, right? He said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There are several points I just want to point out in this particular passage. It says, it's fair to assume that many want eternal life. Doesn't matter what religion or background you come from. If you talk about heaven, everybody wants, they want that. Right? Everybody, oh yeah, I'll take that. Right? You don't have nothing to do with God Monday through, uh, Sunday through Sunday. Right? Uh, want, but, but when, you know, Charlie, you know, kicks the bucket, everybody says, oh, I know he's in heaven right now looking down on us. Not. So everybody, again, it's safe to assume that everybody wants eternal life, but not on God's terms. We want to earn our way by our way. You know, I'll take that, but yeah, like I've said many times before, we want to treat the gospel and we want to treat God like he's a buffet. I'll take this. Matter of fact, give me a whole lot of blessings. Give me a whole lot of, you know, the good stuff. Right. I'll take all that. But you know what? I, I don't want that. I don't want forgiveness. I don't forgive you. And you know what? I don't want uh, sacrifice. And, you know, I sure enough don't want to go to church. You know, I, but you know what? Give me all of this over there. Knowing the law, point two, knowing the law and living the law are two entirely separate things. You know, I can I can read the Bible. Uh, I can come to church. But if I don't apply this truth, this living document, if I don't live by it, it profits me nothing. Third point, being religious does not make us righteous. 
where only through Jesus, only through Christ's sacrifice makes us right with God. Number four, when we love our neighbor, we do. It requires action. Love is an action word. So I can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I I love my neighbor. But if I step over him when he is in need, I don't really love him. It requires action. And the fifth point, my neighbor has little to do with proximity. My neighbor is anyone who is in need. You know, again, it has nothing to do with with ethnicity or religion or culture or language. If anyone was is is within need and it's within my power to do something, I have to do it. I have to respond. This is my that is my neighbor. Though the heart of my message is about conflict resolution. And it's about when we fail to resolve those conflicts, external or internal, there's a domino effect that takes place. For example, take any relationship, marital relationship, parental, siblings, neighbor, brothers and sisters in Christ, which we are, right? We are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we walk by one another, and some of us, we walk by, and we just kind of, eh. Conflict. Something's going on. Right. So conflict is an incompatibility between two or more opinions, principles or interests. And the synonym is it's a battle. It's friction. It's a clash or variance. And now the biblical uh, uh, reference is there's strife. There's discord, hostility. And the opposite of it is agreement, peace and harmony. So the re- the results of this conflict, of this issue that we have, results to isolation and isolation to resentment and resentment to bitterness. And we become far from one another. We become estranged, distant. There's no intimacy. There's no fellowship. And it makes it very difficult to draw near to God. Because the truth of the matter is, is that it's difficult to effectively pray for someone that you have divested in. It's hard for me to pray for you if I don't love you, if I don't, if I don't resolve whatever, stop, whatever issue that we have between one another. Because I believe our prayers have to be effective. It has to be fervent. We need to travail in prayer sometimes for one another. I should be able to think about you and, and whoever who God lays on my heart. And I should be able to go to him in prayer and just earnestly pray for you. But if I got some stuff, it's kind of hard. It's really difficult. God says, why is this so difficult? Because God holds us accountable to his standard of holiness. And Leviticus 44, 45 says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Holiness is regarded in the Bible as God's central ethical character. Basic ethical principles are revealed by the will of God and derived from and based upon his character. Be holy because I am holy is his mandate. True, yes, God does call you and I to be holy. He demands us to be holy. And some may argue, well, how can God demand that I, you and I be holy and hold us to accountable to a standard that I I can't be? But you're right, not by our own. Right? In Leviticus, that call to holiness was based upon the law. 
In the New Testament, the call to be holy is based upon the finished work of Christ on the cross. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you, have, you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he, as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And the reason why we're able to do this is because John, 1 John 4 and 4 says, uh, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm able to do it because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. It is God that allows us to be holy as he is holy. And by doing so, we demonstrate God's power and character. And many times I can be in my prayer uh, and, and oh, I could be doing whatever and, and I could feel myself tripping for whatever reason because I'm stupid sometimes and um, got issues and and I can hear the Holy Spirit say be holy be holy greater is he that is in you be holy it's no longer you that live you're crucified the same spirit excuse me the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickened your mortal body be holy be holy in the mention as I mentioned in the beginning it is God's desire for, for us to dwell together in community with unity. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God loves it. That's why his spirit rests here. It's because there's unity here. There, there's community, there's unity because there's a yielding to his presence and, wait, and look, just because it's a church don't mean that God's present. Just because somebody stand behind a pulpit and they may have a collar on, don't make them right with God. We live in a society today that's got that all twisted. Which, I, for the love of me, I just can't understand. How can you read this Bible and begin to just look at it any other kind of way? And how can you stand behind a pulpit and say, and, 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 and say, well, you know, well, he didn't really mean that. Or times have changed. The devil is a liar. Again, we want to pick and choose. We want to treat God like he's a buffet. How? We treat one another determines our maturity and our obedience. The story of the sheep and the goats, if we would put up Matthew 25, 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All nations will be gathered before him. That's going to be amazing. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, or, and feed you or, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in or needed clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Here it is. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. The essence of this particular passage is Jesus considers how we treat the least is how we treat him. Very important. Very, very important. What does all this have to do with uh, resolving conflicts and drawing near to God? Maybe your conflict is with strangers or people who don't look like you or people who don't worship like you or people who don't live like you. Or maybe your conflict is with someone from the past or someone uh, in your household or someone that you work with or someone that you worship with. As I begin to head towards my conclusion, there's three simple ways I want you to look at this. Forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust. Forgiveness has to do with the past. Again, you may have forgiven, but there's still some issue there. And that doesn't, again, it does not absolve a person for the wrong that they did to you. But you don't hold it against them. You're free from that. You're no longer a prisoner to what happened 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. You're not a prisoner to it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. It didn't happen. But you, it's in your past. I got a family member that I love dearly. Something that happened 56 years ago. 56 years. Hold on to that thing like it was yesterday. And can recall detail like it was yesterday. 56 years. It's the past. Let it go. It's done. And then when you really look at it, brothers and sisters, sometimes, and again, I'm not trying to trivialize because some of us have been through some real horrendous situations. I'm not trying to trivialize it. But there are some situations that we hold on to. When you really look at it in the grand scheme of life, you go, really? Reconciliation has to do with the present. It takes two to reconcile. It takes two. So when you go to that person, and again, you're not responsible for how they respond. That's not your responsibility. But you are responsible to go. I have to go. Not my, I'm not responsible for how they respond, but I'm responsible to obedience to God. And then trust has to do with the future. It deals with both what you will risk happening again and what you will open yourself up to. Again, sometimes in certain relationships, someone has wronged you. They violated your trust. They violated covenant, they did something wrong, and they've come, and they've asked for forgiveness, and you've extended forgiveness, and they've reconciled, but then there's a trust issue. That's okay. God will give you the grace as you go. Forgiveness, 
reconciliation, trust, none or all of these may apply to where you are. But Jesus says, as we kind of go back to Matthew 5 and 23 and 24, he says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, when you are in prayer, when you are doing service, when you are, again, worship has not relegated to a space, a place, or a time. And for some of us, it does require sacrifice. So as you are offering your gift to God, in this particular instance, it may be in prayer or it may be as you come to church. And Jesus says, listen, as you're offering your gift and you remember, the Holy Spirit brings you remembrance that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift first. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. He says, then, then come and offer your gift. As the musicians are coming, they're making their way up. See, the importance of resolving conflicts is so that we can draw near to God. Perhaps some of us are, are glad we have a glass ceiling and, and, and we're hitting it. And, and, but, you know, that hitting that, you, you, you're desiring a breakthrough. You're desiring, you know, there's something in your spiritual walk that you just sense that's just not happening. And, and, you, and, you're, and you're sensing that, you know what, I just I want to grow deeper. I want to grow. And it's just not happening. And maybe it has nothing to do with lack of faith or it has nothing to do with lack of, of works. But maybe there's a lack of unresolved conflict within the relationship. And, and God is saying, listen, I, 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 I inhabit your praise. I really I want this more than you want it. And he says, those offenses or, or, or that, that conflict the Bible mentions have to be defined in our current culture within our personal application. Again, I, I, can't, I can't tell you what issues you're having with someone, but there's issues there. And if I could be transparent, I had issues and I had conflict for whatever reason. And, and, and I could just sense that I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to go deeper and, and I wanted... And, 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 I just kept hitting the ceiling and God, by way of the Holy Spirit, you need to go and you need to get some things right. You need to go and resolve some issues. And, you know, I just said, yeah, because again, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get bogged down about, well, you know, what do I say and how do I say it and whatever. And, and, and I, you know, I just went on a, so I just reached out to people who I knew it was, it was, and I just said, hey, I, we need to talk. And to his glory, everyone said, hey, man, I love you. It's all right. How can you and I truly worship God and ignore our neighbor? I don't know. You know, we want to do great things. We want to go on mission trips. We want to, you know, we want to do great things in the community. 
You know, we want to we want to exercise the gifts and 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 we want to really we want to be a part of this of this movement that God is is involved in. And we want to see and participate in miracles. Right? We want those things. And and we want to experience lavish worship. And God says, I, I want the same for you, but first I want you to. If there's an issue of, let's say it's not just a conflict, but maybe it's an issue of forgiveness. He says, I want you to forgive. And not only do I want you to forgive, I want you to forgive from your heart, not just lip service. Remember in Matthew 6, where Jesus is talking about his disciples said, hey, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. And he gives us an outline of, of how to pray. Right? And then he gets to the end of it and he says, now if you don't forgive... Neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And you know, again, I would read scripture and I may skim over something. And then all of a sudden, as I begin to get a little mature, I go back and I would read it. And then all of a sudden, it would jump out at me. And he was saying that because that's how important it is to him. That's how serious it is that Jesus says, listen, I want you to remember something. If you don't forgive, neither will your your father forgive you. And God says, yes, feed, clothe, shelter, visit the least. But I want you to also treat them with honor, respect, and dignity. You know, people sometimes go through tough times. Whether they are displaced from a different country, or maybe they may have uh, come into poverty or whatever... And, and, you know, sometimes we have a very bad habit of looking down on people. And we don't treat them with respect and dignity. And God is saying, no, I want you to not only feed, clothe, shelter them, visit them, but I want you to treat them with respect and dignity. And he says, I want you to love your neighbor. And who is my neighbor? He says, anyone that's in need. God loves unity. He loves fellowship. He loves intimacy. However, for his children to enter into his presence, he demands not sacrifice, but obedience. And the simple foundation is the ability to resolve conflicts. Brothers and sisters, it's not magic. It's not entertainment. This is the heart of who we are as sons and daughters of the king. No growth, no breakthrough, no intimacy. Perhaps there's no resolved conflict. And as we're standing to our feet this morning, I also want to talk to my brothers and sisters who are here today. As we're standing all over the building, as we're about to conclude, I'm talking to you today. If there's a conflict between you and God. Maybe you're here today, maybe your wife made you come, maybe you came by obligation, or maybe you've been coming, but there's, a, there's an ark between you and God. And God says, that's okay. Come, let us reason together. Whatever it is, come on. Let's, let's, let's work this out. Let's resolve this conflict. So if you're here today and you've been wounded from your past, or there's an issue between you and someone here or someone at home or someone in your family or whatever it is with anyone, whoever your neighbor is, and you want to get it straight, but sometimes you feel like, I just don't know, I don't have the strength, come on down. So if you are in conflict with your neighbor or if you're in conflict with God, this is your opportunity. Draw near. Don't be hungry and go to a refrigerator that's full of food and don't open it. 
You made it this morning. You came all this way to church. Don't pass this opportunity by. Let's get it right. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We can't say, oh, yeah, next day or next week or next month. We don't know. As we get older, we realize, man, life is funny. You're here today and literally gone tomorrow. Whatever it is. Pastor Walt. Thank you, Bobby. I just want to lead us in... lead you in prayer today. If you want to come down and be at the front, draw near to God in that way, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Father, I thank you today that that you made a way for us to be able to draw near to you this morning through the blood of Jesus. God, I thank you this morning that you have reminded us that, that in our attempts to draw near to you, sometimes those attempts are hindered because of of something between us and somebody else and God I just pray that by your Holy Spirit right here right now you would reveal to everyone in the room if there is a person or multiple persons that we need to forgive God show us if there's anybody in our life that we feel owes us something, owes us an apology, owes us money, owes us respect, and they've not given it, God. Right now, God, we forgive that person for sinning against us. We cancel the debt in Jesus' name, just like Jesus canceled the debt for us. We forgive them as Christ forgave us. We cancel the debt, Lord, and we release them into your hands. And God, we ask that you would deal with them justly. It's not our job to seek revenge. It is mine to avenge, says the Lord. I will repay. So God, we hand them over to you because you know the right amount of truth and grace to apply to their lives. We hand them over to you. We release them. They don't owe us anything. We forgive them today in Jesus' name. We forgive. And God, we also want to reconcile. We want to reconcile where we can, God. You said that as far as it depends on us, we should be at peace with all men. So God, give us the wisdom. Give us the timing to know when and where to be reconciled to to come into an agreement with another person God it may not be possible but if it is possible God we ask that you'd provide a way for us for relationships to be reconciled and restored God we know that in you all things hold together God only you can bring that unity in community God we pray this morning that you would show us our neighbors Show us the one who is like the Samaritan, who looks different than us, lives different than us. And God, help us to to cross over those borders 
God, and, and go and, and be with people that we would not normally be with and love people we would not normally love, God. Show us how to love in that way, we pray. Thank you, Lord. And God, we pray today that you would forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. God, forgive us for our unforgiveness. Forgive us for our bitterness. God, forgive us for the anger that we're holding on to today. Because, God, we don't want anything to hinder our relationship with you. God, we don't want anything to hinder us from drawing near to you. So, God, forgive us. Forgive us on the basis of Jesus' shed blood for us. You may be here today and you've never asked God to forgive you of your sin. You've never asked him to become your Lord and your Savior. Right here, right now, pray. Father, forgive me. Forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me. Make me clean. Make me new. Make me holy. God, make me right with you. I can't make myself right with you. Only you can make me right. So today I receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.